This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the EVP Podcast with your wonderful host, I'm DVO. And I'm Beaker. Ghosty's in the house. That's right. Wait, we're all here? We're We're all here. The stars have aligned. (laughs) And so have us. (laughs) And so have us. And so have we. So have we. Thanks for grammaring me. I, that's what I do on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. That's like my daughter when I say, okay, I'll introduce her to do an activity. And she go, watch this I can do. And I love it. I don't want to correct her. I love it too much. <laughs> I recently had a conversation on the phone with your daughter. Yes. You were having pizza. Uh-huh. <laughs> she let you know. She did let me know. And I'm saying that because I know someone else that had pizza. Who had pizza? We're going to talk about it later. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That's how I'm leading into our topic this week. We're, we did a little investigation, folks. It was an EVP team exclusive just for us. Yes. It was amazing. We went to the Utah. <laughs> you went to the Utah State Prison in Draper, Utah, because it is being demolished right now and being relocated to uh, somewhere else in Salt Lake City. But I think it already was relocated. It already is open. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's open. Right. It opened last it's summer. Open for business. Yeah. They literally just took. It seems like they just took the inmates and said, "Okay, we're moving. Get in this bus because there's so much of their shit still left yeah. in these cells. A lot <laughs> of commissary like, left. Yeah. Isn't it like four thousand inmates or something like that? It, I don't even know how many it holds. Yeah, four thousand inmates. But yeah, like there's so much of their personal stuff still there. It's like they just probably woke him up one day and said, "Hey, pack your shit. We're going." Yeah, I was crazy. Like I was chipping over everything. <laughs> Fortunately, Beaker couldn't make it with us to no. the investigation. Scheduling conflicts. I work swing shift. So yeah. Ghosty and I, along with a couple of our, we'll just say friends. We'll just say friends. That's all we'll say. <clears throat> they invited us to go there before it was totally demolished. Yep. But the prison, it, it, this prison, it's. I mean, it's at the point of the mountain. What we call it around here. And uh, it was built in 1951 to replace uh, the older prison that was uh, somewhere else in Salt Lake City. Sugar House. In Sugar House area. Yeah. And uh, they shut it down in 2022. And like we mentioned, they, they're relocating all the inmates to the new new facility now. And so we're going to talk them about out that. to the swamp. A little swampy areas by the airport here. A lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> we got it all in Utah. We got deserts, mountains, swamps. We got, yeah, we do have Squatches. Squatches, yeah, apparently. Provo <laughs> Canyon. Right off the main road. Yeah, that's where they all hang out. But, uh, yeah, the Utah State Prison in Draper, Utah. This place has a lot of history, and a lot of crazy inmates have been there, actually. Yeah, in fact, we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about a few of some well-known inmates, maybe their stories a little bit, and then we'll get into the investigation. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Wonderful. So I'm going to talk about a gentleman named... Barton K. Kirkham. Is he a pizza lover? He, I think he might have been. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Kirkham was he was the eldest of five children, raised by a Mormon family here in Salt Lake City. He was a fan of bop music and described himself as a rebel. Kirkham left his family's church life and school in the eleventh grade and joined the U.S. Air Force. After eighteen months, he committed a robbery while he was AWOL. Oh, uh, in Colorado. So he committed the crime in Colorado. He was uh, given an undesirable discharge from service, and he spent the next nine months in reformatory and paroled in July of 1956. So he was born November 29th in 1936. And uh, I believe he also... So there was a robbery in 1955. That's what I just said. Yes. Yeah. And then... On the night of August 12th in 1956, my birthday, yeah. you know, just 30 years before I was born, <laughs> but burned burn, 30 years before I was born, um, he entered the Nibley Park Market Grocery in Salt Lake to rob it uh, when he thought the 50-year-old storekeeper David Avon Frame was not giving him all the money that he had. Kirkham took Frame to the back of the store. There he found 37-year-old Ruth Holmes Webster, the mother of four children here in Sandy, Utah. Uh, Kirkham had them kneel on the floor and shot them in the head. He got a total of $54 from the robbery. Jeez. Mm. Um, he was apprehended the next morning after he was forced, uh, a brother and sister to take him on a joyride through Provo Canyon where later, when later asked about his motive for killing Frame and Webster, he said, man, I don't know. 
So, first degree murder trial uh, committed uh, commenced on December twelfth of nineteen fifty six. Uh, he was defended by attorneys Lamar Duncan and Wayne Black. On December fourteenth, he was found guilty of murdering Frame without a recommendation for mercy, and faced a mandatory death sentence. He was never tried for the murder of Webster. Uh, he remained at the Utah State Prison. He was remanded to the Utah State Prison on January eleventh, nineteen fifty seven. As the sentencing phase of the trial proceeded, his attorneys immediately filed for an appeal with the Utah Supreme Court. The appeal claimed that their client's mental state was not properly taken into account. And the court uh, on March 25th, 1958, the court upheld Kirkham's conviction and denied him request for a rehearing, uh, sending his case back for sentencing. Uh, Kirkham said he was certain he would be executed and resented his attorneys trying to prolong the waiting and stalling around. On April 26, 1958, the judge Larson sentenced Kirkham to death. When asked to select between the option of execution by firing squad and hanging, he responded, what cost most? <laughs> Kirkham said he chose to be hanged because of the publicity, the novelty to put the state to more inconvenience. He also <laughs> noted that the state might not execute him in that manner and he might therefore get off scot-free. It would be the first hanging in Utah since 1912. Kirkham said that he hoped to get some sort of record. Um, <laughs> one of his quotes, it says, I heard the shooters uh, get to keep the guns that they're not going uh, and they're not getting anything free from me. Uh, while on death row at the Utah State Prison, Kirkham followed newspaper articles and legal briefs of the case and read psychiatric tests, texts and medical journals. Uh, Warden Marcel Graham described him as a good prisoner who caused little trouble. Kirkham grew out his hair and beard for 13 months until ordered to get a haircut. He then shaved himself bald to annoy the prison officials. Kirkham uh, maintained a hardened image and reportedly laughed off concepts of mercy or religious salvation. He claimed to have no regret over the killings. Another quote from him. There was so much hate in me and it keeps building up and there was no release for it and I did not care what happened. The doctor said I felt justified when I killed those people and they are right. I did. It was revenge I was after. The love that I was denied because my parents spent so much time doing church work, and they still do, and forcing me to stay home and lead the life they wanted me to live. I got my revenge, and I'm not sorry now and never will be. I've had enough of it. I want to die. I'm fed up with it all. I did kill those people to hurt my parents and their good standing in the church. Who failed me? It was not only my parents, but myself and a lot of others. My life is a real mess now, and I will be glad when it is all over with. That was his written statement before he was executed. Oh. On June 4th, 1958, Kirkham appeared before the State Pardons Board for a final hearing for clemency. His attorneys had planned to demonstrate that he was insane with the help of psychiatrists. Kirkham initially told the board that he was a loner and felt no remorse or anything like that. In the final minutes of the hearing... He broke out into an appeal that he would prefer involuntary commitment in a mental institution over capital punishment. The board declined to commune his sentence. Another quote from him. I don't want my life. My parents are the ones who uh, commuted. They think you can rehabilitate in prison, but rehabilitation comes from within. So as far as his execution goes, uh, he was visited by his parents the night before hanging. Prison guards noticed that it changed his demeanor as he received his parents warmly and was seen by Mormon and Roman Catholic chaplains. His mother was near collapse. Kirkham watched a movie with his parents and said farewell shortly before midnight. Kirkham ordered a last meal of pizza and ice cream. Does telling, he want to, does he what toppings he had? Uh, it does not. Okay. Wait, he says, telling the prison steward, you get cheese and meat and everything in one meal. No, so not so much fuss. Meat lovers, then. Yep. <laughs> Good choice. Or Supreme. <laughs> or maybe, maybe. <laughs> in the auditorium of the Utah State Prison, Kirkham ate his pizza and played classical music on a piano in the company of the chaplains. News reporters and deputy sheriffs. Wait, he played the piano? Uh, yeah, that's what it says. Oh, okay. It says, ate his pizza and played classical music on a piano. Um, he joked about his impending execution and commented on his keyboard skills. I'll just have to practice more. So I don't think he was very good. Okay. Just Another quote, when you live with the thought of dying so long, you get used to it. I may get shook up at the last minute, but I don't think so. So, uh, the oh. dawn of June 7th, 1958, he was driven two miles to a pasture on the prison's farm. 
After a black hood was placed over his head, Kirkham was led up a ramp to a newly built gallow. His drop had been measured six feet to accommodate his reported weight of 200 pounds. A professional hangman was paid $400, which in 2022 would be about $4,000. A professional hangman. A professional hangman. Okay. Mm. Uh, he was paid $400 for his services. Kirkham trembled slightly as the hangman fitted a noose around his neck and placed the knot under his left ear. As directed by state law, Sheriff George Beckstead walked up to Kirkham to receive his last words. At 4.57 a.m., the official time of dawn, Beckstead signaled the hangman who pulled an iron lever, opening the trap door under Kirkham. The Kirkham family did not come to witness the execution. Prison physician W.C. Knott climbed on a stepladder to examine Kirkham's hanging body, which was concealed from view by burlap and canvas under the 11-foot-high platform. He was pronounced dead at 5.11 a.m. Kirkham's last words. I ask God to forgive me. Oh, he asked for forgiveness at the end. Hmm. That was his last words. Um, so, yeah, from what I understand, he was the last person to be hung to death in Utah. Yeah, I don't think anybody else has. Nope. He's got a is, record. <laughs> it is rumored that um, when he was being sentenced or convicted that he uh, had actually possibly wet himself. Interesting. But that that, that I mean, might have been someone else I was reading I, about. I feel, now I feel bad for the hangman. He was out of a job then. Yeah. <laughs> he was a professional. He was a professional. He was out of a job. He had to go through a whole course, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's shortly before his execution, uh, he started crying and it was reported that he wet himself. Okay. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. This dude was just like, wanted to stick it to the man. Like, what's going to cost you more to execute me? <laughs> right. Let's go with hanging because it's bigger inconvenience to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, he, he gave it to them right after he took it. Gave him the big middle finger. <laughs> All right, Christy, who do you got? All right, so this this story, there's there's three guys involved in this whole story. It's kind of a, a big thing that I didn't really hear much about because this happened before my time, but it's called the Hi-Fi Murders. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. I but have not. This was a crazy, crazy murder, like, did it happen here in Utah? It happened in Ogden, Utah. Okay. These guys, these were Air Force men. Oh. I don't, I'm all not going to get them. all three of them, but I'm not going to get in too much detail, but I'm going to tell the story because, you know what? This would actually make a really good episode. Okay. So, anyways, these three airmen, um, let me pull up their names. It makes a good episode. Let's talk about it now. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dale Selby Pierre, William Andrews, and Keith Roberts. You picked this one because the guy has the same name as you. Ghosty? Ghosty. <laughs> so anyways, these three guys, There was they said there was more, but no one else got convicted of anything. These guys uh, had it set that they were going to rob the Hi-Fi record shop in Ogden, Utah. Okay, because when I think of Hi-Fi, I do think of like yeah, records, yeah. music. Okay. So they're going to go rob this shop. And as they go to rob this shop, they only plan on... You know, dealing with the shop owners mm-hmm. and employees. Well, as they're taking them down to the basement of the shop because they're going to try to rob the place, more people kept walking in. <laughs> so people come walking in. They did it during peak business hours. No, it's closing. <laughs> oh. But they're, uh, and you know, we'll get into the issues of this another okay. time maybe. But people come walking in. So they take them down to the basement. Oh, shoot. And because someone else got. You know, there people were waiting for people, and they come walking in, wondering what's taking them so long. Boom, you're coming down the basement too. <laughs> so now there's five people in the basement, and these guys, you know, kind of panicking because they weren't expecting this many people. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> now they're trying to figure. They're tr- going to be robbing the place, but they were also obsessed with the movie Magnum Force, which mm. starred uh, Clint Eastwood. Okay. But there was a part of this movie where Somebody forces this prostitute to drink Drano. Oh, jeez. And then she drops dead shortly after. So being obsessed with this movie and being crazy, they decide this is what they're going to do. They actually have Drano with them. Oh. And they pour it in a cup, and they're trying to get these guys to drink it. Nobody's trying to drink it, and they're trying to they're kind of convince them to drink it. They're trying to say, oh, this has uh, sleeping pills and uh, juice. And they're trying to get them to drink it. Finally... Someone drinks some of it. They're like forcing it down their throat, and it's they're screaming in agony. It's burning and blistering, yeah. and um, you know other people can see what's happening to everyone else, and they don't want to drink it. They're just forcing it down. 
um by the time i got to the last guy he seeing what was everyone was doing uh did something to where he wasn't swallowing it and just kind of was spitting it out but screaming as if the way everyone else was just imitating got it. it um one of the one of the women that was there the employee she was only 18 engaged and she ended up getting raped and then shot in the back of the head and then everyone else ends up kind of getting shot in the, you know, getting shot in the head. But there ended up being two survivors out of everything. And one of the survivors ended up because one of the one of the murders didn't think he was dead enough. They put a pen in his ear and stomped on it. Oh, Jesus. He survived. Gosh. What? Anyways, the two survivors... Uh, were able to testify, of course, but the way that they caught these murderers was these dumbasses threw all the belongings of these people into the garbage behind <laughs> on Hill Air Force Base oh, okay. behind one of the buildings out there. And so when the cops, they, uh, some dumpster divers were back there. Some people, other people on base were dumpster diving and found uh, found these belongings. Notified the police. Well, the police came out there and were going through all the evidence and everybody was just like a lot of the Air Force men that were just kind of watching as the cops were doing this. And what the cops were doing were they were pulling out evidence and kind of waving it up in the air, like showing what they just found and then setting it down. But not, you know, just kind of pulling it up and then putting it down, but kind of waving it around as if like, look what we found. Anyways, the whole crowd was still and just quiet and watching. But there were two guys pacing, walking back and forth and acting kind of frantic. So they were still like active duty. Yes. Whoa. They were they were young. They were like 19, 21 years old. Wow. And uh so it was pretty easy just based off of uh psychology just seeing what these guys were doing that hey these guys are suspect as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of a dead giveaway when you're acting all nervous as they're pulling all the stuff out. Yeah, of and the only ones acting nervous as everyone's just like, "What?" You know. So uh, <clears throat> they, uh, you know, they they take them in. They they end up arresting them after everything, and come to find out, uh, pretty much it was just two of them that was. It pretty much doing everything. The other guy was just kind of there Focus. outside waiting for them, not realizing what they were doing. So the two guys got executed. The one guy got off on, I think, after serving 11 years. Mm. And so Dale Pierre, he uh, he was night. Let's see. Though this part doesn't say it. But he ends up dying by lethal injection. And after serving some time, let me see if I can pull that part up where they were at when it came to that. Um, so that's just, in my opinion, silly. Yeah, obviously, the hi-fi uh, record shop was not on the base. No, it's so in Ogden. Just so, yeah. so to take all this, cause, yeah, because the base is in Layton, so it's not even the same. Hour, hour so to take all this shit with you back to a military base and throw it in one of the dumpsters there—that's just insane in my mind like why would you do something like that why wouldn't you ditch it somewhere closer by or like bury it in a field or something young and no, dumb we're gonna take it back to the military base with us and then ditch it there so Where we was, stay yeah so one of them uh he was 21 years old at when when they did the crime and uh the other one he was 19 and the, the guy that roberts uh he's the one that was an accomplice and didn't do the murders he was 19 as well and so he got acquitted, and the other two ended up getting um, executed by lethal injection. And when, after one of them was, uh, so the two that got murdered, or got killed in, in jail, in prison, one of them that was acquitted, he ended up committing suicide anyways. Oh. Soon after one of them got uh, the lethal injection, him being free, I don't know what he might have been going through some guilt or going through some stuff, but yeah, he ended up uh, a week after Andrew's execution in 1992, he ended up committing suicide. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, 
I won't get too much into these guys, but I mean, just the story of that, what had happened to these people, um, the whole story of these people being trapped and kidnapped by these guys and what they went through during that, uh, it, it's insane. The two people yeah. that survived, I mean, they're going to be, they're ruined for the rest of their lives. Right. Reminds me of like a Pulp Fiction scene. Yeah, oh, that's for kind sure. of what it reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Tarantino's been following news in Utah. Yeah. And so uh, apparently these guys, the two that were on death row, they were horrible with everybody. Like nobody liked them. Every, and I guess they were just a shithead to everybody. So there's even a record of another prisoner going to his execution and passing by their cells and talking shit to them like, I'll see you guys in hell or something like that. Hmm. But um, yeah, I guess nobody liked these guys. Interesting. I don't like him either. Yeah, Why would jerks. you? <laughs> yeah, apparently they're pretty nuts. They're pretty nuts, and they obsess over movies, and then they try to play it out. Oh, yeah. that was the thing, too, that they were freaking out about, and then why they were shooting people in the head is that the Drano scene where this prostitute ends up dying pretty quickly doesn't happen in real life. Right, right. And these guys were agonizing for hours. Right, writhing in pain on the floor. Yeah, with their the whole position. insides just blistered and, yeah. and turning to ooze. It's weird. It's almost like movies make things happen faster than they do in real life. Like they're not for real or of, something. For sake of time constraints. <laughs> they're like, wait, these, these guns only hold seven bullets? I thought they were an infinite amount of bullets. Yeah, when I, I, when I shoot this gun out. in a video game, it just keeps shooting. <laughs> What's going on here? That's insane. Like, what would possess you to do something like this? Like, I get the, oh, I'm really obsessed with this movie, but to actually, like, go and try to live it and play it out, like, that, you would have to be really twisted. Yeah, these guys were twisted. Um, And they were planning a a robbery, but I guess these two were the only ones that were planning on some murders. They brought the Drano. The other people, they got away. They never told on who else was involved. Um, But apparently there was a few more people involved. Interesting. Hmm. That just never got caught. These guys took the rap for everything. They got caught. And the one guy, he ended up only serving like 11 years and then was acquitted because he was just an accomplice, really, but still yeah. there, and people yeah. got killed. So right. you're serving time. All right. I'm going to talk about Ronnie Lee Gardner, uh, probably one of the most infamous uh, people that were, were held at the prison. I mean, you could also say Ted Bundy, but he was only there for a moment. Uh, but anyway, Ronnie Lee Garden. Let me talk about him. He was born in 1961 in Salt Lake City. He was the youngest of seven kids. His parents got divorced when he was about 18 months old. And just kind of give a little history about him. At age two, he was found wandering the streets in a diaper and malnourished. Kind of give you a history. Uh, he was with the uh, welfare system for a moment, then went back to his mom. Uh, he was sexually abused by his siblings, is what he claims. He was sexually abused by his siblings. Uh, and he and one of his sisters would often run away to what he called hobo camps. So little homeless areas and uh, hang out there because they didn't want to be at home. By 10 years old, he was already addicted to alcohol and drugs and he was already getting his first arrest, um, starting with theft. That was not, mostly it was just theft. Um, his mom remarried and he looked up to his new stepdad who was also a criminal. And Gardner even was help, would help him out. He was like a little lookout for the little B&Es he was doing, breaking break break and entering. Uh, by his early teens, Gardner had already been in detention at a number of institutions. Um, while staying at a facility in Ogden, he was visited by Jack Statt. Jack lived with Gardner's brother, Randy. Um, and the way Randy and Jack met was that they met at a bus station where Jack gave his brother, Randy, 25 bucks for a little, little blowy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. A little Say oral, that again. A little oral sex. A little bluey. <laughs> Who was it that he was? Like his Gardner's brother. brother gave this guy Jack a little bluey for twenty-five. Was it a solid? It was a blow pop. <laughs> yes. They were trying to find out how many licks it yes. took to get to the center. <laughs> and so when Gardner was released from this facility, he stayed with Jack. Jack actually became his foster parent. And Jack, who got the blowy, right, from his brother, was a cross-dresser and lived with many cross-dressers in a, in, a, in a house. And this is where Gardner lived with his brother. Is it, and where was this located at? Ogden. Well, he was, he, was, he was in Ogden, a facility in Ogden, locked up. And so it was a detention center. But I don't know where Jack lived. I don't know. Oh, in okay. Utah. I mean, he was yeah. here. 
Um, Jack would perform sex acts on Gardner and his brother, and even then led to Gardner becoming a prostitute. So yeah, and, and Gardner said that this this was for him. This was like normal. This is where he had the most stability in his life, though, just because the way his, his 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 dad never accepted him. His dad always kind of thought maybe he wasn't his real child. In fact, when he, when he was ten and him and his brother got put in detention for stealing, his dad picked up his brother and didn't pick him up. Like his dad was pretty adamant. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you're my you're not even my kid probably. So he never, you know, didn't really have a dad. He, he looked up to his stepdad, but he was a criminal. So he felt like he had the most ability living with this cross-dresser that prostituted him. Kind of crazy. Uh, and he always felt like Jack was really trying to help him out. He really felt that. Well, at some point when Gardner was uh, in, his, in his later teens, he met Deborah at an apartment complex that his mom was living at. And they had a daughter in 1977, so he's like 16 years old at this point. He has a daughter in 1977 and a son in 1980. Well, the, the, his, his son was born in February 1980, and that same month... He was arrested for theft again, and he was he, for burglary, and he was sent to the Utah State Prison at that point. Uh, so that was February 1981, or sorry, February 1980. In April 1981, he escaped the prison's maximum security unit. Um, he went to his um, so he his his kid's mom was Deborah. When he escaped in April 1981, he went there, and he was, police found him. He was attempting to murder a person, a man, that he believed raped Deborah, his, his mom. Police shot him in the neck. <laughs> so, and he survived. He's a survivor. In February 1983, um, he was deemed a ringleader in a prison disturbance in which inmates barricaded a cell block and started fires in the prison. <laughs> um, this won't be the last occurrence where he's like some type of ringleader in a disturbance in the prison. Okay, in August 1984, he escaped custody at, a, at the University of Utah Hospital because he was faking an illness. He attacked an officer and forced him to release his shackles. Gardner took the officer's firearm, then struck the officer so hard in the face or in the head that he needed like wires to reconstruct his face. That's oh, hard he is. Yeah. Then Gardner took his firearm and then hijacked a guy on a motorcycle, put the, put the gun to his back to get me out of here. And so the motorcycle rider. What had year a, was this? August 1984. Oh shit! Yeah. So he escaped prison, beat the guard, jumped on the back of a motorcycle with some guy and said, "Hey, get me out of here." It's the 80s, baby. Yeah. <laughs> he then returned. He like he left the gun in a box for like a carrier. They said like a mail carrier courier, and with a note that said, "Hey, I just want to be free." I just, I just want to be free. So this is his second escape. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is that right? No, no, that was his first. That was his first. Is, is it? Well, I thought the f- the first was when the rape of his... He was attacking the guy he oh, thought yeah, his mom that's right. Raped. He escaped three times, yeah. So this is... <laughs> I think this is the second yes. escape. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yes, yes. He escaped, he escaped yeah. this one was from the he hospital. Es- yeah, he escaped the prison, and then he right. escaped the hospital. Okay, got it. It's a yeah. tricky so this guy. Is, this yeah. guy, this guy, and wait, he, wild there, wait, in Utah. there's, there's another one. <laughs> yes, hold on. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so that escape was August 1984, and he said, right, he wrote the letter with returning the gun. Hey, sorry about that. Sorry, I broke your face in half. Here's <laughs> your gun back. I just want to be free. Hey guys, you know, there's nothing wrong. I'm with a good me. guy. I'm a good guy. So that was August, October of '84. Gardner tried robbing a Salt Lake City tavern. Cheers, right there. Oh on, shit, yeah, right there on Main Street. Yeah. Right? That was 1984. Well, I don't know if it was there at that time. But anyway, um, it, it's a tavern we know. And uh, he tried robbing it. He was high on cocaine. He shot the barber, the bartender, Melvin Otterstrom, Ost- in the face. Oh. And, and that killed him. Otterstrom's um, cousin, I, I don't know if he worked there, but, but he, he said they estimated that the, what he ended up robbing was about $100. Shit. So that's what he got, about $100 when he robbed him. So check this out. Otterstrom that he killed, Gardner went to his funeral. And he was telling people that they were childhood friends. Duff. So he was wow. he, he attended the funeral of the guy he killed. Just to just to see it. Wow. I don't, yeah. Psycho. So and so there was a there was a tip and then he got caught about three weeks later. But that's crazy, right? Yeah. So that was October nineteen eighty four, October, November. And then April nineteen eighty five. During the trial for the murder, 
Gardner attempted to escape again. This is the third one. So this is, so this was October, November. So like five, six months later, he's going to trial. He 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 attempts to escape with a revolver that was smuggled into the courthouse. <laughs> so somehow, someone has smuggled in a gun. Someone also smuggled in a bag of clothes, men's clothes, in the women's restroom. They found out the person that did that. Really? Yeah. It was oh. it was, a, it was a girl and and uh, her sister. These two girls did. These two sisters did it. I don't know if they're fans. Like maybe you know, a lot of prisoners they get like love letters sent to them and stuff. So who knows? Or if they were good friends? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the relationship. But they still to this day not sure exactly how the gun got there. So they they thought maybe it was during like during the transport from the parking lot it happened, or maybe it was uh, um, a back of a toilet in the in the men's restroom. So they're not exactly sure how the gun got there. Okay, so. So he, he gets he he gets a he gets a revolver. He's trying to escape. One of the guards shoots Gardner in the chest. Oh! But Gardner wounds a bailiff. He wounds a bailiff, um, and he's and he's running back into the courtroom. He he then runs into two attorneys. He shoots one of the attorneys in the eye. Whoa! He, he dies later at the hospital that day. Um, he finally gets his, he finally gets out of the courtroom. He's escaping, and he's he's surrounded p- by police, and he gives up. Throws his gun down. He's like, I don't I don't have a weapon. Don't shoot. And he gives up. So that was the that was the third escape right there. But but he, he but he was found. You know, this all happened within hours, probably. In October 1985, he was found guilty for the death of the uh, lawyer uh, Michael Burdell. And let the let's see. Oh, in, in June, okay, sorry. So in, um, he did, well, remember, he did get shot in the chest. He, so he survived that shot. So he's been shot in the neck, survived. He's been shot in the chest and survived. All right, <laughs> this, this guy. So in June, that was April, May, June, June 85, he pled guilty to the death of the bartender, Otterstrom. And then October 85, a year later, he, he was found guilty for the death of, of the attorney, Michael Burdell. The, the uh, jurors only took, they took less than three hours to come up with that verdict. All right, so he's found guilty in 1985. He's going to get the death penalty. Uh, October 87, two years later, he broke a glass part, uh, a glass petition, a partition in the visiting area and had sex with a woman who, was, who went there to visit him. What? And uh, all the inmates cheered and, and barricaded the door so the police couldn't stop him from, from uh, getting one of his fans. Fornicating. Yes. So another, another police disturbance that he caused. In September 1994, uh, Gardner was drunk from the uh, from the hooch he made in his sink in his cell, (laughs) and uh, he stabbed another inmate with a shiv he made from sunglasses. Nine times, he got him nine times. We'll talk about these shivs during the investigation. Um, So, in 2010 is when he's going to be executed, and it becomes media attention nationwide because 2010. A lot of people now are talking about the death penalty. Is it is it right? Should we be doing this? Um, so there's it's a big it's a big political controversy about the whole death penalty because of Ronnie Lee Gardner. It becomes national attention, and um, he chose firing squad, which would be it will be the first firing squad in the last 14 years, and he chose firing squad because of his Mormon background. Why is the blood of atonement? Are either of you aware of the blood of atonement? No. Beaker? Probably. Okay. So let me know if I'm wrong. I kind of I had to look into this a little separately. So the blood of atonement is to okay, atone for your sins by death that allows shed upon uh, blood shed upon the ground as a sacrificial offering to not become a son of perdition. Does that sound about Right from what you yeah, think. Yeah, I don't think I've heard this before. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like he's, he's just saying, yeah, uh, me being shot, spills blood on the ground. I'm trying to atone for my sins. It's kind of what I'm getting a little bit. I'm not saying it's not a thing. I, thought, I just, I've never heard of this before. Okay. <laughs> I thought Jesus already died for everyone's sins. So I don't know what they're atoning for. Well, the, well, son of perdition, according to Mormon religion, is someone that like knows that Christ exists and then denies Christ. Right. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. I don't know. That just it seems a little I'd have to look into this, but I don't I've never heard of this before. The blood yeah, of atonement thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a little interesting. So, it's, you know, it's, it kind of sets his mentality a little bit. So, again, his execution is happening in 2010. Um, it was stated he walked voluntarily to this place of execution. 
When asked if he had any last words, he responded, I do not. No. And the, that's basically your last words, though. <laughs> yeah, let's get recorded. Um, he was placed in his restraints on a black metal chair with a hood covering his head. Sandbags were arranged all around the chair to prevent ricochet. The firing squad was five anonymous volunteer police officers. The officers stood 25 feet in front of Gardner behind a wall with, a, with thin port openings. All five took aim at a target above Gardner's heart. One of the rifles was loaded with a non-lethal wax bullet so that they would not know with certainty who fired the fatal shot. The countdown started at five, four, three, <laughs> shot before two. Um, all simultaneously. Gardner was pronounced dead on June 18th, 2010 at 1217 a.m. So when they do the countdown, they shoot at... <laughs> right before two. Oh, shit. So he's so got a hood on his head, right? And he, he's, he's just expecting the countdown. But, but before they get to two, they all simultaneously fire. So one has a wax bullet or four? One. One. So five shoot at the same time, and none of them know. They're, they're random rifles. They're randomly picked rifles. Yeah. And so that way, for sure, they don't know if they had a fake bullet or if they had a real bullet. So maybe it makes if like only one has a wax bullet, and then four people shot him. Well, wait, wait, wait say that again. So if only one gun has a wax bullet, yes, that means the other four people shot him. Right. So they don't know if they had a real bullet or not, but but you don't want maybe one guy is a little off and shoots him like in the middle of the chest, and he, oh, yeah, he think, he's a survivor. He's, he can survive. I thought he only gets one bullet in the chest. <clears throat> What's that? No, well, four. I think I, I think this yeah. makes sense. Though. He's a survivor. He's been already been shot twice and survived. Yeah, yeah. Let's make <laughs> let's make sure. sure this guy's. <laughs> I like that idea. I would have just been <laughs> like, you know, I mean, these guys, these guys are 25 feet apart, or 25, the distance is 25 feet. It's a good, me and Ghosty saw it. It's a good distance. Like, you, I think you could hit the target, but, you know, the heart is not, you know, it's, it's what, three inches long? I mean, it's, it's the size hard. of your fist. Yeah, it's the size of your fist. So they want to make sure. So four shots out of those four, one is going to be uh, for sure just, death. I would have just put a bullet in all five guns and told them that one had a wax bullet. Maybe they do. I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you still have that uncertainty. I mean, they could do the opposite. Say, all right, one of these is real, four of these are fake, and, but all of them have bullets. You know? Right. They, they could do that, too. we got to make sure he's dead. That's what I would do. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. Let's kill this bitch. Yep. But, um, <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy story. Like, I mean, this, guy, this guy's insane. A, yeah, you can make a movie on this guy. They should. They actually, I'm surprised there isn't. Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe there, there actually could knows. be. Like, a, there could be some like other stories that have a lot of these notable inmates have movies or books written on them. So we end here at the execution room, and this is where Ghostly and I did most of our investigation. Real quick, though, we did take a tour of the of the prison. Um, we'll just say some random people gave us a tour. Um, randos yeah some randos give us a tour <clears throat> some squatters yeah some prison squatters and you know we took a tour of the facility there there the main the main holding area that has already been a lot of well a lot of the prison has been looks like a creep yeah he looks like a pedophile right yeah ronnie lee gardner yeah yeah he does he just just looking at his. Uh, he looks like a prostitute. I was gonna he? say he looks like an Ogden prostitute. I wouldn't say prostitute. He looks like an Ogden prostitute. He just he just looks. He's got this creepy vibe to him. Show the camera. Show the camera for all those of you on YouTube that can see <laughs> past the ring light. He just got this creepy look to him. His smile just says, "I want to rape you." <laughs> I don't know that it says. He that, didn't rape but, anybody. But it looks rapey though, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, it does. So a lot of the prison has already been um, been tearing down. They're going to build like a like a little mini city there, and um, we took yeah. a tour, and like, we, we we investigated the the, the cells. The, I the main don't, building. Well, the main building that was the original building was condemned, and there was no going into that one. So yeah. I did feel a ton of energy coming from that, but I. I wanted to go in there so bad. I didn't care what they said. Yeah, but we couldn't go there. <laughs> They're too scared. Something might break while we're in there. We could fall, fall to our death or something. Yeah, fall through some stairs. Or... So we're like, yeah, okay. We want to investigate it, but we understand we don't want to die either. So okay. yeah. So we did go to the you know the the main <clears throat> buildings there. The holding cells. The holding cells, and you know we got to take a tour of it. it was, I mean, I think you remember those shows, um, Scared Straight. Yeah. 
I don't know why you would, would go on that show and still act like a hard ass. Like I would, I have zero interest in going to prison. Like you, you, we were in a cell for five minutes, just exploring the cell, looking at their commissary and some of their personal items. And I'm like, this is enough for me. Five minutes is enough. I do not want to spend my time here. Wait, was this your first time investigating a prison? Mm-hmm. For him. For you? Well, I'm asking you too. Have do I? Do you know if you? He doesn't even know. <laughs> Uh, no, I went to Alcatraz, remember? We had an old episode on it. Yeah, but you, you didn't investigate, you just went on a tour. I went on a tour and I brought my ghost gear, but I didn't investigate it. But That's not in... the same thing. <laughs> I've investigated two prisons. Which ones? Uh, one was the Rollins State P- Penitentiary in Wyoming. Mm. And the other one was the old Price uh, City County building that had a prison attached to it okay. right before they tore it down. Okay. Got it. Well, so, you, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I've investigated prisons. It's it's creepy as fuck. In Eureka, I went to one of the little jail cells. Yeah, anybody can walk oh, in it. yeah. <laughs> just a holding cell. But just like... <laughs> just a holding But, yeah, cell. no, these prisons were like... I mean, when we did the the one in Price, one of our investigators got an EVP of uh, one of the inmates, I guess, saying, I, I'm going to kill you. Hmm. So, I, I know it's creepy investigating a prison, so I can I, I know how you feel. Yeah, and, and again, it's shut down, right? It shut down in 2022. There's no power in here. There's absolutely zero power. We're just going off for flashlights. And the moonlight. And the moonlight. And, and uh, definitely creepy vibe. But it, it was fun. It was interesting to take a tour of, of a prison. I didn't feel anything, though, except in the execution room. How did you feel, Ghost? Uh, there was a few areas where I could feel some things, but they were more or less like staying away from us and watching us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the execution room, I felt a lot more energy in that area that was just... Yeah, there was a lot in there. I mean, yeah. you had a whole line of cells that were uh, people who were awaiting to die, as well as there was a cell next to the execution room where the prisoners spent their last 24 hours before getting executed. So, And then there was like a big plexiglass window where a prisoner or, or where a guard's job is to just watch them for tw- their last 24 hours yeah make sure they don't hurt themselves or anything like that oh real quick talking about the being in that last little area i forgot to tell you gardener's last meal and everything let's talk about that so for 48 hours he had his last meal 48 hours before his execution again because he wanted to fast because of his mormon background he just wanted to fast so he had a, he had his last meal 48 hours earlier it was steak lobster tail apple pie vanilla ice cream and seven up it's a pretty good one i think what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> I think it's better than the pizza. A lot. <laughs> pizza and ice cream. So they both had ice cream. Yeah. Both our guys had ice cream. And then so uh, he had that 48 hours before, and then he spent the last couple 48 hours, he was reading a book called Divine Justice, and he was watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I also, also think, I think that's a good last little time span. Extended versions are normal. I don't know. I don't know. Because I would have picked the extended versions because that's like 12 hours yeah, <laughs> of, <true>. of movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, goes. you're saying the execution room, they're, they're on guard for 24 hours, being monitored. There's always a police just watching them. Yeah, they're just watching them for those 24 hours until they get led into their room of... Yes, and so... In that room, whether it's firing squad, whether it's lethal injection, everyone's in this same room. Or electro- electrocution. It's all in this, happens in the same room. We saw the picture. It's a, it's a black metal chair, black sandbags all around to prevent. Kevlar bags. Yeah, just to just ricochet. Ricochet. Um, in the electrocution room, then they just bring the shocker yeah. in. Yeah, they just bring in old shocky. Yeah. Were you able to go in this room? We were in this yes. room. This we did most of our investigation. And then right around the corner of the room, like, so you're in this room, and we saw the place where the, the, the police officers stand behind the wall to shoot. Like, it's, it's just like these rect- very thin rectangular openings that they just, you know, put their rifles through. But then you go around the... And, I'm sorry. On each side, there's two sides with windows. One side is the family. One side is the media. So they, the media is allowed to watch and record for, you know, news. And then the family in in, is in another side separate and then i think the area where the media is that's where they'll take the body through that area and there's a huge opening like a what's it called the lift doors i can't remember what we call them like a garage like, door yeah yeah like a garage that opens up and that's where the ambulance will back into and they'll like load bay the body door. bay door yes yep and that's where they'll, they'll have the ambulance back into and put the body there to take to the morgue so it was it, i mean it it was very fascinating, like to learn this side of things. I, th- I thought it was very fascinating. 
We were getting some... Uh, I was scared. I was <laughs> All of us. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't there. The, uh, was, the people who we were with were scared. Yeah. Our, I was scared tour for yeah. not being Tour there. guide was scared. Yeah. Uh, we had him using the Ghost Meter Pro, which, you know, has the needle that we can get yes or no questions with. Um, Again, there's no power here. Yeah. It hasn't been powered here for a year. And the K2 was going off with that as well. So we'd get the K2 going off as well as the... Uh, ghost meter probe going off and the tour guide we had was asking questions and getting some answers and he was getting scared and he's like i don't get scared and this is freaking me out he even asked like is this ronnie lee gardner he asked that question and it, it, it said yes i believe but who knows yeah there's been a lot of executions there knows. yeah but yeah there is there's a lot of there's a lot of spirits in there um, yes, we investigated this twice. We we did this. We did the execution room once with with our tour guides, and then um, then we kind of just walked around the prison a little bit more. And I said, "Let's go back to the execution room. That's where I feel it's at." And uh, we had a pretty good investigation there. What else do you want to say, Ghosty, about it? Um, God, just it was crazy going through these cell blocks where these prisoners just like up and left their commissary. Yeah, all their personal belongings. pictures. Yeah, personal pictures. Milk. Um, <laughs> tons of milk. Tons, tons of noodles. Tons of ramen noodles. Um, there was this one prisoner whose cell, I mean, he, he drew all over his cell. There was oh, drawings all over. There was a couple. A lot of, like, yeah. gang-related. Uh, there was one prisoner who uh, we checked out his cell. He he was famous as well for, like, he was, like, stabbing this other prisoner in the neck. It was this black prisoner. He's, like, some Aryan nation. And he's over here stabbing this black prisoner in the neck. And, like, I think he locked himself in some cell or something and did that. And the guards couldn't get to him. And so, yeah, he just murdered this guy. Yeah, um, one, of the, one of the tables had an array of Polaroids. Oh, it was an uh, office of uh, – it was some kind of an office. Yeah, it was an uh, office. Yeah. And, and they had a, a tons of Polaroids on the, on the desk of uh, evidence, basically, you could say, of, of shivs, shanks, knives, handmade, right? Because you can't have those. So they're all handmade out of different – Different items, like we mentioned, Ronnie Lee Gardner used sunglasses to make a shift. Yeah, anything plastic, you yeah. can sharpen it. Yeah, just sharpen it. You melt it down a little bit. Um, so, <laughs> and, and then there's there pictures of wounds. People yeah. Half their ears cut off, yeah. big holes in their legs. The, the weapon and what the weapon did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it pretty gruesome. Sounds like a great site for Salt Lake's first 15-minute city. <laughs> yes. The first 15-minute city is coming in there. They, they call it that because apparently you can get from any end of the... Get from um, the anywhere. city yeah. 15 and minutes in this new city. Within walking distance. Within walking distance. So anything that you could possibly need, all of your necessities will be within 15 minutes. Uh, and it's going right where the all this bad stuff happened. <laughs> yes. So yes. good luck to all those that are going to live there. Yeah, those spirits ain't leaving. They're still Most wandering likely around not. there. <laughs> so no. Some probably left, but there's probably some that are still going to hang out in that area. So have fun. I'm sure some, some of those got attached to the prisoners and they just followed them to the new one. Probably. Yeah, maybe. But obviously, when you're investigating, there's spirits there. This is a year after the prison's closed, yeah. so those spirits probably aren't going anywhere. Yeah, they're gonna, so. they're waiting for some new. Good construction. luck, Draper. Good luck for your 15 minute city. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's I guess let's focus on the on the investigation because the first investigation was a lot of the the, the meters going off, um, but the second investigation we did in there, what did you, I think I felt like that was a little more heavier. Yeah, uh, that's just kind of where we started getting a little bit more activity. And it was picking up and ramping up, and yeah, it was just a t- basically just the two of us at that point. Yeah, and jeez, uh, wh- what what was coming through when we were doing the uh, when we were asking questions? Do you remember? Well, <clears throat> again, we have we have these devices, and there's no power here. There's no reason these devices should go off, and we're we're, we're recording it, and. One of the it wasn't a K, I guess it's the K two the one that has a rod at the end. What's that one? Oh, that is the uh, yeah. It's another type of EMF meter. You know what it's called? It's just an EMF meter. It's like orange or red handle with a little yeah. rod that lights. Oh it just yeah, that's up. that's one of his. It's just an EMF meter. I don't know. Is it, yeah, it's it picks EMF. up two different picks up two different types of EMFs. So I have like three different types of EMF meters. Okay. I have a mel meter. I have one that's just an EMF meter, and then the one that's. But the yeah, K2. mine's used by electricians and contractors to right. find. Uh, Which most things. EMF yeah are for are for they're looking. Well, for that's what the K two is designed for exactly. too. But ghost hunters, we've ruined everything. <laughs> yes. But anyway, we, we, we put it on the floor. You, you, we put these on the floor, 
and you know they're, they're they're quiet and then i just said hey you know if you see these lights you know you can make them light up so, like just touch them and the the k2 um or the ghost meter i think it was the ghost meter it, it would kind of go off a little bit but the the other emf reader didn't do anything and i said hey just go ahead and kick it over yes and every time i said go ahead and kick it over then it would start lighting yes up. the k2 would spike every time when you would talk about kicking it over because it was kind of standing up against this thing a wire, like standing up against, leaning yes. up against a wire. Yeah, something a thick up. wire. But every time you said "kick that over," the K two would would go to red, yeah, or orange or red. But it would it would go off, and it would mostly go to orange. But there was one, a couple times we started going to red, and that was like whoa, because red, yes, it means it's a high energy. <laughs> but it was pretty wild because we were getting some interaction and stuff with it, and asking things, and then anytime, and you did it about three times. You're go ahead yeah. and kick it over, and then pretty much right after you'd say that, it would. Boom, it would spike. So I'm like, okay, they're trying to kick it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like they are trying to. <laughs> so that, that was pretty interesting. And then there was one time um, we were, I mean, we were doing the echo vault. Oh, hold on. Okay, go ahead. While we were doing that, we were hearing a lot of weird noises. Yeah, so, you know, let me tell you that. So I tried to do the <coughs> shave and haircut again. <coughs> I did it on the window, nothing. I paused. I tried it again. I'm like, hey, come on, do the shave and haircut. I did it on the window. This is the window where the media would be watching the execution. Um, nothing. And then as we're talking, then we hear this, like, metal clang out in the hallway out of nowhere. Like, this metal clang. Yeah. We would get a... Uh... And then a, a, moment, a moment later, another metal clang out in the hallway. And I'm like, okay, is that, is that your two bits part of the, you know, of the shaving a haircut, I wonder? It was, it was very uh, paused reaction, but... We could also hear above us... It would sound like some scuffling or some footsteps above us during during a lot of this. And then we'd be quiet. And then out in the hall, through the outside of the execution room, it sounded like a boot foot stomp. And it was like right as that stomped and that made that noise, you had turned on the uh, Echo Vox. Echo Vox. We're like, no, turn it off, turn it off. What was that? What was that? And, uh, we stayed there quiet for a little bit and didn't hear anymore. But, yeah, we were getting some some interaction, and we were getting a lot of noise happening. I would have liked to stay there I longer. Do, I do have a recording of one of the noise in the hallway. I mean, what does that prove? Nothing. But I do have that noise in the hallway. Oh, I, nice. I, I do have that on the recording. Nice. But, you know, it doesn't prove anything. It just it, – there, there was never a noise earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why would Why would a it. metal clang noise be at midnight? I don't know. But yeah, yeah, we were yeah we were hearing some things, and then our our guide had to take off, and we were like, you know what, that's fine, you know, we'll just go with you because we wouldn't have a ride out of there. <laughs> so we went with our guide with intentions on coming back, and on the when we came back, we were gonna bring Beaker with us, and when we attempted to go back, we got bad news, and somebody ruined it for all of us. Yep. Uh, yeah. Another guide. Another, another guide another, ruined it. Another guide ruined it. Uh, visitors were banned. So, so nobody's I, allowed in the buildings yeah. anymore. I, I, it's going to be. I got finished. to see. I got to see what was being demolished. Yeah. But yeah. And it'll, it, I guess it'll be finalized. I think in the next two months it'll be fully oh, it's, demolished. It's actually going to be demolished in the next week. Yeah. 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 Most of it's already down. Yeah, that tall building that we talked about, where oh, it's, down it's now? gone. Okay. It's already gone. So there's only like, two there's buildings only, like, left. There's only like a guard tower and like a couple buildings. Yeah, that tower. Yeah, that I wonder if they're going to. Cool. I bet you anything they might preserve that guard tower and leave it in the neighborhood. Probably not. That'll be too much of a Walking Dead. <laughs> right? That would be kind of cool, though. That would be really cool if they left it up there. <laughs> it's a cool little little area. That's where they have you go. You stand here and be like, if you can't see it, it's too far away. You don't need to go there. In fact, um, there was a law passed because of Ronnie Lee Gardner's escapes that whether someone is armed or unarmed, you shoot to kill. So remember that, that police officer that shot him in the chest yeah. on the last es- escape? They were like, you should, some people said you should have just finished it. And he's, there was a law that he couldn't. Like he, he couldn't like just keep shooting him. Some type of law. Well, one of the uh, one of the state governors or whatever then implemented law said, yeah, whether a prisoner's escaping armed or unarmed, you shoot to kill. <laughs> so, so yeah, this guy this guy was a uh, quite a ruckus. 
yeah, he did. Yeah, but it was, it was very heavy in the execution room. I'm so disappointed we can't go back. I know. Before it's demolished. Me too. I know. I wish Beaker could have been there. It but was, uh, it heavy. is actually really, really cool being probably one, if not the only, investigators to actually get into the prison and do some kind of investigating before it got torn down. Yeah, there is another prison that's not too far away that we can go in. We just have to make a phone call, make the reservations, okay. and schedule it. That's in a different state. Oh, all right. But I've been we've we talked to the people that run the yes, we have. the Nevada State Penitentiary. Uh, a good friend of ours will go with us if oh. we ever decided to go outside of Utah to investigate as a team. Yeah, like, we need to do that as a team. Yes. I've done it plenty on my solo adventures, but yeah. I just want to. Awesome. I just want to mention a couple other like notable people. Okay. Just real quick, I'm not going to go into details about that, them. They were held at Utah State Penitentiary. You already mentioned Ted Bundy was there for a little bit. Um, people might remember Warren Jeffs. He was a leader of the FLDS church yeah. here in Utah. And um, another one that I'm not going to go too much into detail at all, but the Megan Huntsman, it was huge here in Utah. This lady was crazy. Um, they found uh, when her and her husband were going through a divorce, they found six infant children saran wrapped in boxes in her garage. Jeez. She spent some time there as well. Good. Actually, you know who else was there? And this was the guy that actually was talking shit to the hi-fi murderers. His name was Gary Gilmore. He was executed by firing squad in 1977. And he was the first prisoner legally put to death in the United States since the U S Supreme court ruling that ended in 1972. So, yeah, the last guy that was put to death by firing squad was at the this penitentiary or this prison before this law was passed that no more uh, corporal punishment. Right. And then when they revoked that. <laughs> he was the first one he, was there. The Utah State Penitentiary had the first one. So Yeah, because because he was in prison before it went into effect. That's why. Because mm. he was already, he was grandfathered into the. He was grandfathered <laughs> in. Because <laughs> he's been in prison since, he was, since the 80s. But yeah, that Gary Gilmore, he was the one that was the same when he was passing by their, their cells on his way to okay. get executed. Yeah, it, it, it was heavy. The execution room, definitely heavy. I could feel things coming like by the doorway. Kind of checking us out. I think that's why Ghosty heard that footstep. I, I felt my back was to the entrance, and I could definitely feel you get that feeling like someone's behind you. Yes, you know. So I definitely got that feeling. So when you said that you heard a uh, a foot, a boot uh, behind by the entrance, I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel, I've been feeling someone's been watching us for a while. <laughs> yeah, I I wanted to just sit in there for hours and just it, it absorb the noises. I know. And me too. Uh, but, but our, our guide had to take off. Yeah, and it was like, it's fine. You know what? We can come back. Yeah. And then things kept happening for like two weeks where things weren't lining up and we couldn't go. And then finally when we did, somebody else ruined it for us just like a few days prior. Yep. Yeah. But it's okay. We still got to go in there. Not you, Beaker. You got to look at it from the outside. That's okay. I went to a prison that you guys can't go to <laughs> in Price because get your hand off my back. No, I want to touch you. <laughs> you want to feel my body like oh. Hayden does? Yeah, I want to pet your no. squatchness. <laughs> Squatch. <laughs> um, that's what happens when I get, I need backup. I call my arm my squatches. Um, yeah, I the the prize prison. It was it was once we got into the the cells, it was really creepy. Maybe it should be another episode. I don't remember. This was like oh, this was like six seven years ago. Okay, then this doesn't exist anymore. No, this we we uh, a friend of mine blew it up. Um, <laughs> got us in before he actually uh, actually it was a former teammate of ours on on Wisps got us in before okay. it was torn down. Um, this is one of the last investigations I did with a friend of mine that passed away of pneumonia about six years ago. Oh. So it was it was a really fun investigation. I do remember at the end of that investigation, Caden was with us, mm-hmm. and he had his little bag of goodies, and he put it down in, like, in the main entranceway where we started our investigation, and we were cleaning up at the end of the night. Uh, we couldn't find his bag. And we searched all over this damn place. And we searched, like, you know, all over where... He left it all over in the rooms next to it. We searched the whole place. And then when we were getting ready to just give up on it, it was right back at the front where he left it. Hmm. So his bag like had vanished and then like came back. Interesting. It was weird. Cloak of invisibility. Pretty much. But yeah, then we got the EVP that uh, said it wanted to kill somebody. So 
But do, we didn't get any EVPs. Did you listen for any EVPs? And I haven't looked. I haven't listened back to. No, I, you know what? Because I think we were just playing the Echo Vox and we weren't recording it. We didn't get a ton through the Echo Vox though. The Echo Vox might be, have been recording, but I don't know if it records through the mic. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. Um, I didn't go through that. I just went through my recordings, but I did hear that noise outside, the the metal clang noise. I do have that. Oh, nice. Yes, nice. Well, okay. So for those of you that want to follow us on social media, you can do so at evp.pod at Instagram and Facebook. Check out all the reaction videos that DBL has been posting. Um, I think he's since got rid of his, his purple laser beam from his nose. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, they're actually really good reaction videos. Uh, One of them recently was at the Lizzie Borden house, wasn't it? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. one was actually a really good. One. Go Door check slammed. That out. Yes, um, that that one was. A, I think that was one of the most legit ones that you've done so far. There's been some pretty good ones, and there's been some really questionable ones. Mm-hmm. We're not too sure on. And then there's ones that have been. It's obviously fake, but there's. It's still fun to watch. I mean, the dinosaur one was pretty real, though. The dinosaur <laughs> one was great. Uh, so there's a lot of. Go check out those videos. Um, if you have a story. Or if you know someone that's been to the prison and you want to share that story with us, you can email yeah. us at evp.pod at gmail.com. Please let us know in the email if you want us to share it on the show or not. Um, and if you're looking to purchase new paranormal hunting gear, ghost hunting gear, check out our affiliate link to ghostop.com. You can find that on our Facebook and Instagram and, and our link tree. We put it everywhere. So If you're trying to purchase any nude ghost hunting, follow us on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you don't want to see that. <laughs> well, ghosts, you don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Too bad something or someone didn't want us going back. Mm-hmm. Bitches. <laughs>